A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus came to his hometown and began to teach the people in their synagogue, so that they were astounded and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these deeds of power? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh again on all of us. Amen. Inspired by the creative spirit of our animal Alleluia cast, I have decided to take a different tact on this week's sermon. Following in the footsteps of some of the world's greatest writers, the Apostle Paul, Benjamin Franklin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., C.S. Lewis, I'm crafting today's sermon in the form of a letter. Though written with the amazing cast of animals and talent that helped make the animal Alleluia such a fantastic experience, my hope and my prayer is that this is both broad and humble enough to speak to all of us and to give the work of the cast the honor it deserves. Dear Animal Alleluia Talent, It was such a fun four days we just spent together, reimagining the Christmas story through the eyes of the animals at the Nativity. Your artistic vision, your compassionate energy, made this past week both memorable and formational. It was pure joy to spend that time with you. But please allow me this, a little poetic licensed privilege of a preacher to expand just a tad on what you all just did this last week, as I encourage you to continue fashioning a life of faith through song, a life of faith through embodiment of sacred story, and through the delicate art of faith creation. You have all been artists and faithful ones at that. In January of this year, Alexandra Moe wrote a fantastic piece in the Washington Post entitled, How Theater Can Teach Our Kids to Be Empathetic, in which she describes the numerous benefits that children and youth acquire when they spend time in artistic or performance-based classes. Now, citing research from George Mason University that studied those students that participated in theater classes, scientists found increased communication skills across many demographics, including age, gender, and race. Dr. Thalia Goldstein, the study's co-author, an associate professor of applied developmental psych at GMU, writes, the longer kids spent in theater classes, the more they gained in 21st century skills. Skills like communication, creativity, imagination, problem solving, collaboration. The article then posited several additional studies that demonstrated how communication skills are the most essential ones for navigating modern American adult life. 
Better communicators are hired more often. Better communicators enjoy happier relationships, happier marriages. Better communicators often ascend to leadership positions and often possess higher self-esteem. The ability to manage personal emotions and then to recognize those in others, a skill that's known as emotional intelligence, is a predictor of both academic and future professional success. And now, while those are all very well and very good, what I found most fascinating from the article was that these lessons learned in those classes also empowered young theater students to be more empathetic with others, leading them to be more caring, leading them to be more accepting, leading them to be more loving humans, more loving children of God. Now, to some, putting on a play may seem a tad like fantasy, but in fact, stepping into another character, using one's imagination to decide how that character might act or might speak, might move, is the foundation for developing empathy. This helps children build emotional understanding, helps build regulation and executive function, the foundational skills that support a lifelong journey of faith. Now, throwing on my associate pastor for Christian formation hat, the learning styles that theater participants experience are legion in the best sense of the term. Theater involves active learning, getting up on your feet, taking in information, rather than sitting and merely receiving it. When you put something into your body like that, it's more durable and you remember it longer, says Dr. Katherine Dawson, a professor at the University of Texas, Austin. Theater is one of the best ways to help young people get to know themselves. And what better place to get to know yourself than with your friends and your loved ones at church? In the book, Mapping Christian Education, a seminal work by church educator Dr. Jack Seymour, Seymour writes that, and I quote, education and faith is rooted in four things. Knowing a tradition, interacting with a community of meaning and memory, responding out of an individual personality, and then moving that tradition out into the world. Animal Alleluia cast. When each of you took on a role of one of these animals, when you created the sacred rhythms that supported the entire production, you had to know the story and tradition. You had to interact with one another. You had to respond out of your own individual personality. And then at noon on Friday, or even just a few moments ago, by sharing that experience with all of us, leading us, the body of Christ gathered both physically and virtually. You have moved that out into the world. Thus, you have both helped form your own faith. You have helped form your castmates' faith. And also, our faith, as we experience this thing that we call M&M Week. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us all. 
Now here is a surprise. I think that Jesus knew a thing or two about all of this empathy, theater, active learning stuff that I have just been describing. I feel very strongly that Jesus was an artist. And I think that we all know this because of two very distinct reasons. The first is that Jesus loved the theater of relationship. Just think about a few of these amazing stories of Jesus' life. Just think of Jesus walking on the water. Just think for a moment about Palm Sunday. Jesus sets the stage. Jesus tells the disciples to go out into a boat before the storm picks up. Or, go gather my donkey. And then creates experience of spiritual magnificence, not for himself, but for others to experience the marvel of Christ. There is theater with Jesus emerging from the mist on the water. There is theater and pageantry that we do our best to recreate every Palm Sunday. And imagine with me for a moment about how both of those experiences moved a new tradition out into the world. Even in the closing hours of his life, Jesus drew his friends close into an upper room and then took them out into a garden for his arrest. Not necessarily because it was going to be meaningful for him, but because of the impact that it would have on the faith life of others. Now, the second reason that I think Jesus is an artist is, well, because simply the Bible tells us so. In our Bible passage for today, we read, He came to his hometown and began to teach the people in their synagogue so that they were astounded and said, Where did this man get this wisdom? Is he not the carpenter's son? Is his mother not named Mary? Now this is where we learn this Jesus is a carpenter story. But friends, I beg to differ. Now the concept of Jesus as a carpenter does have beautiful images that demonstrate Jesus' life coming full circle. If Jesus was a carpenter being raised by his father Joseph, Jesus would have worked with wood as a child. As Jesus grew and developed, he would have learned the fine art of carpentry as an apprentice. And then Jesus ultimately would have experienced his own death and crucifixion with his body lifted up and nailed to a tree. But in these verses where both Jesus and Joseph are called tecton, tecton, frequently rendered as carpenter by many Bible translators. However, Dr. Robert Gallaty says that the word is more better accurately understood as craftsman, as crafter, or as artist. Now that could be carpenter, Dr. Gallantry admits, but some other cultural clues may lead us to different translations. Perhaps Gallaty suggests that Jesus was a stonemason. Here's some of the evidence that Dr. Gallaty provides. The majority of the homes in Israel during Jesus' time were constructed not out of wood, but out of stone. Trees were very scarce in the region at the time of Christ's life. 
Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, was three miles from Sephoris, which was undergoing a massive development project that would have required the use of many available tectons working with the stone. And in between Nazareth and Sephoris was a massive rock quarry. Now, with this background knowledge, Gallaty writes, it's helpful to take a fresh look at the language of Christ and the language of Jesus' followers when they speak of stones throughout the Bible. With Jesus as a stonemason, Gallaty points that it sheds new light onto Jesus' reference to Psalm 118. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Peter, of course, one of Jesus' disciples, picks up on this imagery, and he references the same psalm when he defends himself before the religious leaders in the book of Acts, calling Jesus himself the cornerstone that's been rejected. And later in 1 Peter, the apostle declares all believers of Christ to be living stones, beautifully fitted together, creating a bountiful spiritual home. Personally, I find it quite moving that if it was the art of stone cutting and stone craft that Jesus of Nazareth was trained in, where Christ spent his earliest years, that perhaps his most powerful act was when he himself rolled a stone away, liberating himself, liberating all of us from the tomb, winning ultimate victory, and of course conquering death for us all. But for you, Cast, instead I turn to the work of Dr. Pete Enns, former dessert and dialogue speaker, friend of Westminster, who finds even further fruit from thinking of Jesus as an artist. Quoting now from Dr. Enns, The purpose of Jesus' art was to give verbal, visual, and dramatic forms to those complicated and confounding relationships symmetries, harmonies between himself and the world, ourselves included in the latter. Such creative expressions did not and do not make everything clear, but rather resist mere simple clarity, forcing their hearers to come at the world, or excuse me, to come at the whole complicated, opaque truth from a position of intellectual and spiritual humility. Our Lord and Savior lived his life as an artist, inviting people in to craft and to fashion their own lives inspired by the traditions that came before and moving the new thing that they created out into the world together. And that, friends, that is what the goal of our shared life of faith is, isn't it? to craft something that moves us beyond our already known assumptions about the world, about one another, about the divine, and into a place that is much fuller, more compassionate, and more full of love. A place where the joy of today is only overcome by the joy of every day. Jesus taught us all not just to create a life of faith, but Jesus demonstrated that creative life as well. And that all began on a night, long, long ago, 
surrounded by the loving song of animals and lit by the luminescence of a star. We all know where it begins, but we then have the blessed opportunity to direct, to produce, and to even feature in the rest of the story. The story of how we create our own faith lives in the loving image of God. For each and every one of you has an inspiring story to tell. And I can't wait to keep hearing you all share it. Amen.